welcome to the podcast, Biblical Question. We are excited you've taken time out of your day to listen to our podcast. For more information about us, you may visit our website at biblicalquestion.com. We will tell you the web address again at the show's end. We encourage you to open your Bible and follow along as we study the Bible. Now here is your host, Joseph. For the introduction, I am glad that you've taken time out of your day to download our podcast and to listen to us. We know you have many options and your day is really busy, but you have chosen to download our podcast and listen to us. Please be sure to hit that like button and follow us. That way you get alerts each time we release our podcast. Please tell others about us as well. Today we're going to talk about falling out of love. Falling out of love. So if you have a Bible, I would encourage you to open it and follow along as we study the Word of God. Hosea 11, verse 7. Hosea chapter 11, verse 7 says this. My people are bent on turning from me. Though they call to him on high, he will not exalt them at all. I want you to think back for our listeners who've been listening for some time, year, maybe year and a half ago. We, we studied the seven churches from the book of Revelation. And you remember this book, that Revelation was written by the Apostle John when he was on the island of at Patmos. And it was written when he was in prison for preaching the gospel. You know, this is something that uh, we have listeners around the world. In some countries, it's not real popular to be doing so. But they are hungry for the message. And so the biggest reason I continue to do this podcast, to be honest about it, uh, John is in his cell in prison on this island, and the Holy Spirit would come to him, and he's going to have this vision as he records this book. In his vision, he, he saw the doors of heaven open, and he saw Jesus as no one else on earth has ever seen him, as he's enthroned as the Lamb of God. In this vision, you may remember that the Lord had him write to seven churches or seven cities where these churches were at. And these cities were capitals or the centers of ancient faith. It was in those cities that the Christian faith really will take root, and it's from those cities that Christianity would spread through much of the entire world. If you would look at your map and study those churches out, you would find out that they're probably not there anymore. Uh, Christianity is illegal in a lot of those areas, if not all. But at the end of his vision, uh, some of those uh, same cities or churches, they're already beginning to fall away. Uh, Even though Jesus has probably been gone from this earth less than 60 years, even though those churches had enjoyed great preachers from Paul and John, Peter, and probably many others, uh, They were really the eyewitnesses to a lot of the things that the apostles were teaching, some of the miracles they were doing. And so in some of these churches, they they really had a passion for those who were lost and dying. And so John's going to write them, and he's going to warn them about their faults, their weaknesses, and what they're doing that God has caught on to that maybe they need to stop doing. 
So John is going to warn these cities, Theatra and, and Pergamos, about pornification that has entered into their congregations. And he's warning them, and Sardis even, that they're still doing many works and that their works had become dead and their faith. He would tell the church in Ephesus to resist temptation. Jesus, however, he, he knew that these very clear warnings wouldn't cover every sin that those churches and the future Christians uh, would find themselves facing. He knew many Christians would avoid uh, certain failings or fallings, so he had John write this letter to the church in Ephesus. And to deal not only with a certain sin that the church was involved in, but sins of many other Christians through the century have followed as well. And so Revelation chapter 2, in the first seven verses there, if you want to follow along, I'm going to be reading that right after this. Do you enjoy our weekly podcast? Though many of our listeners around the world in poverty-stricken nations aren't financially able to support our podcast, If you are able, we'd be grateful for your help. We offer several ways to help support the podcast on our website. Would you be in prayerful consideration in your cheerful donation or purchasing through one of our affiliates? Thank you for listening, and may He have the glory. Okay, so we are in Revelation chapter 2, starting in verse 1. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands, says this, I know your deeds and your toil and perseverance, and that you cannot tolerate evil men. And you put to the test those who call themselves apostles, and they are not, and you have found them to be false, and you have perseverance and endured for my name's sake. And have not grown weary. Verse 4. But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen, and repent, and do the deeds you did at first. Or else I'm coming to you, and I will remove your lampstand out of its place, unless you repent. Verse 6. Yet this you do have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life in the paradise of God. So when a person becomes a Christian, they usually start this journey out. They're very excited. They're they're growing and they're and they're telling people about Jesus, they're inviting people to, to worship services. And most want to make the most of their Christian life, and they strive to grow that they can be more and more like Christ. But while they scramble trying to move up and grow in their faith, they also feel like they're perhaps slipping backwards. This, um, backsliding is a famous term in the denominational world. And for lack of better terms, I guess that's what I'll use today. But uh, this idea that you're not going forward with God, that somehow you're you're genuinely, you you, you have joy. We feel that uh, 
you're very much part of the Christian life. But, you know, it can easily slip away from us. We, we don't stay focused. And what with the devil, you know, he's always slinging his arrows at us. And some believers look around and they see other Christians who've fallen out of love. And they worry they too might fall. And that fear begins to crush their excitement about being a Christian, about serving Jesus. Some people continue through the motions of service. They try to worship, but for whatever reason, it just doesn't seem real to them anymore. It is easy to understand how you can feel overwhelmed when you when you see the condition that our world or our society really is on and and you turn on the TV and, and you're faced with increasing amounts of immorality. When you read uh, the paper or your magazines, you're, you're constantly faced with an increasing attack on your Christian faith and your beliefs. And it really is. It is easy to get discouraged when loved ones uh, walk away, act like they don't care anymore about you or what goes on. Uh, the list goes on and on. Life on earth is hard, and it can become very discouraging. Jesus said, though, you will find trouble in the world, but never lose heart. I have conquered the world. So some of us claim uh, that we're clinging to it, and we understand that this is a battle. Uh, And we keep moving forward to the best of our abilities. We hope and pray God is there and encouraging us. And, you know, I think we fail to teach Christianity is, it's, it's not child's play. This is a serious thing. It takes grit. It takes sand. It has the willingness to, to keep the, your, your name with Christ. It, sadly, though, I, so many people, so many Christians do lose heart. They they slip and around, they slide around, they give up on Christianity altogether. I've watched lots of people over the years uh, fade away who won't even say they believe in Jesus or want to be a follower of Jesus. The New Testament mentions many people who apparently began well in their faith but wandered away. You know, the Old Testament writers, they also knew that this coldness hard heart type thing would creep into the believer's heart and lead them to give up on God. You can see this over and over again in the uh, Old Testament writings. They called it back backsliding, as Jose would say, my people are bent on turning from me, as we read earlier. This idea of backsliding, um, when you begin to, to neglect your prayer life, your stewardship, your your service to God, telling others, uh, not reading your Bibles on a regular basis, perhaps these are signs that you're you're letting things slip away. Yeah, it's in your control to keep it going, and it's in your control to let it go. Uh, when a person begins to uh, do this, it becomes very critical that we become preoccupied with God and not the material possession and the worldly goals around us. 
And it's really hard when you have, you're overwhelmed with debt and bills and you got to go to work and you got health issues. And so, you know, life is, honestly, it's not easy. And it gets harder the older you get with more and more responsibilities. And, you know, I, I think it's really interesting how over the years, everybody wanted the preacher to listen to their problems and, and help them solve their problems or give them some good advice. But when the tables are turned, they don't have time to listen. I think it's very interesting. People have always have left the church since the moment of its conception. Uh, no church is really, you know, do they even feel sorry? Do they even seek those people out and say, hey, uh, can we pray with you? Can we help you? You once attended. Where, where are you attending now? You know, trying to, to help them and encourage them. We need to pray for those we know that are struggling, perhaps with their faith, with their jobs, with their health, with their relationships in general. We need to be praying. Paul mentions to uh, Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 7, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. You know, we have these people as well on the church that really they fall in this category. I mean, Timothy would be a young preacher preaching the gospel, and for whatever reasons, uh, Paul mentioned this to him that something was going on where he was trying to help people. You know, we should always be learning, but we should also all come to the knowledge of truth, that Jesus is who he claims he is. There was a death, there was a burial, there was a resurrection. Jesus really walked on this earth. He really was born of the virgin. Uh, and so this category, this idea of backsliding, could be described as, as children. Uh, they're always learning, but they never really grow up. You know, I know somebody who went through school. They were very intelligent, aced everything in high school, and then they go to college, and they stay in college. They never, they never put that education to anything worthwhile eh? to stay in school, get multiple degrees and whatnot. And there's believers like that, too. They just, they never put their knowledge of the truth into action, I guess. Always learning, but never really mature. Uh, like little kids, they they, they seem to, to sulk when they don't get their way. Uh, they're swift to attack anyone who opposes them. They know how to use the word and twist the words that come out, out of people's mouths, uh, including God's mouth. And so... And you can recognize them sometimes by uh, the amount of attention they require from the preacher or the elders or the deacons or even other members of the church. I'm not saying that we're not supposed to help each other because we are. Uh, you know, some of these folks, I mean, they require their ego to be stroked constantly. Uh, even if they get a little hang now, they want you know somebody to feel sorry for them. It, you know, they, they march around in this huff showing uh, how their pride has really been stepped all over. The Bible teaches pride lies at the root of a great deal of this idea of backsliding. And, 
and they're really shallow believers, and they're all puffed up with, uh, and they're really just easy targets for, for the devil to use in the church. You know, we have a lot of people who are nitpickers. I'm headed to Second Thessalonians chapter 3. Uh, these people who are nitpicking are the ones who argue all day long about way the worship service should be going, uh, what programs they need to financially support as a church. Uh, they nitpick everything, even about, you know, children's uh, church camps in the summer that are coming up and whatnot. You know, Second Timothy, excuse me, Second Thessalonians chapter 3, starting in verse 10. For even when we were with you, we used to give you this order. If anyone was not willing to work, then he's not to eat either. Verse 11. For we hear that some among you are, are leading an undisciplined life, doing no work at all, but acting like busybodies. You know, I've seen a lot of this. Uh, a lot of people can quote this, uh, you don't work, you don't eat idea. Uh, we, we think of that as going to work and supporting your family, and that's fine. Uh, I think that's very important. Uh, working in the church um, for the kingdom of God is just as important. Uh, we need to be willing to work. A disciple is a follower of Jesus, and he is one who serves at the discretion of the King of Glory. And I think it's sad that so many churches today have become nothing more than work watchers or um, armchair critics. Uh, we might say the Monday morning quarterback or whatever, the backseat driver. James 4 verse 17 says, Therefore to one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it to him is a sin. So if you know what you're supposed to be doing and you're not doing those things, James says it's sinful. Why is it that so many congregations today, they, they find so much fault with their leaders who probably carry 99% of the workload, but they don't do nothing themselves, you know? Uh, it always gets me how people, whether it's in relationships in the home or in the church or at work, wherever, they come with you all these problems and they complain and they add more burdens to you, but they, they never give you a solution. They just want to mumble about everything. You know, some people swallow the, the weird doctrines that some of these TV preachers or radio evangelists and yet one little word that the preacher might say in your local congregation inadvertently, uh, maybe out of context or out of place, gets everybody, you know, these people all wound up. They get upset. They speedier and they sputter. And for weeks they complain about it. You know, nitpickers and those who talk will not work. And they really need to be doing some Bible reading and warning about judging others and what. Judging and criticizing God, the people God has placed in charge of the congregation to lead that congregation. Uh, boy, look at Moses. Uh, even his own sister complained against him. And look what happened to her. You know, we need to be careful when we criticize our church leaders. And I'm not saying that they don't need it occasionally. Uh, but if you're not doing anything to help them resolve the issues, uh, I think you need to ask for forgiveness. You know, it seems Paul wrestled with this same problem as well. And his response here, uh, do all things without mumbling 
and dis- disrupting. You know, there's some people in the church that uh, they they have these, they want a reputation, and they think they have this big theological thing, but yet they split hairs continually with their favorite phrases of the Bible again and again, their favorite chapter or favorite verse, and that's all they want to hear preached, that's all they want to talk about or teach. Um, you know, and I know those congregations within five minutes walking distance of where I'm talking from right now, they have this reputation that, that they only teach Acts chapter 2, and they don't know the rest of the Bible. Well, Acts chapter 2 is part of the Bible, but that's if that's all they know, they had this reputation that they're not discussing and talking about other things. We have casual Christians. I mean, Paul describes them as well uh, in the later days of Christianity as a time, a form of uh, godliness type thing, but they deny it's the power of God. You know, we we had a discussion some time ago in our little congregation that we were at, you know, about the power of God and that how even within his own power, he allows things to happen. And, of course, the example used was uh, a sunset and a sunrise, you know. God is in control of that. He might have put the natural order of things that it just happens perhaps on its own in some people's mind and way of thinking. But if God decides he's done with all that, guess what? He has the power to stop it. He has the power to do what he wants. And we need to understand God is an almighty God, uh, worthy of our honor, our respect, and his words and promises to us. We need to take those seriously. And when we start uh, wanting to be more like the people on TV, that's the wrong focus. That's the wrong direction. We're denying God uh, and His power to allow us to even to breathe the air that we breathe, to be honest about it. Uh, we need to be careful with this self-centered idea that it's about me. And it's not about me. It's about an almighty God. You know, in this idea of this backsliding, I've often thought, well, maybe they never slid in to begin with. You know, I remember watching uh, Pete Rose as a boy uh, play baseball, and he was all in, and how he slid was not always the traditional way Pete first. Sometimes he he dove in head first. Uh, and I've often wondered if people today in the church, how many of them have really slid in. They have truly never uh, been saved. Uh, I know my Baptist friends say, well, if you never were you know, in to begin with, you were never saved to begin with. And I argue uh, that in my mind. I struggle with that. You're watching people uh, who go to church every week, multiple times a week. They're bringing from friends and family. They're having Bible studies. and I mean, you name it, they're doing it. And they do it for years and years, and all of a sudden, they're just not there. And they say, well, they were never saved to begin with. Well, you would not have said that 15 years ago. So we need to be careful 
with this idea of sliding in and sliding out. We need to be walking in the light of Christ. We need to be in our Bibles. We need to be studying the Word. Uh, we need to have a prayer life. And those are all things that even I struggle with at times. We get so wound up with the troubles of, of, of the day, uh, all the worldly things that we get bombarded with, and the constant burdens that we have. But it, what keeps it going is I know that Jesus is coming. I get to be with him. He helps me. Doesn't mean I don't fail him. And I say, hey, I, I'm done those things. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And you keep studying, you keep praying, and you keep reading, and you keep telling others. And so it's really like the prodigal son. I mean, people can be restored through repentance, through confession, and they can come. God always wants them back. Peter became a really transformed disciple through repentance. The same thing, you know, the prophets who warned about God's judgment also promised about forgiveness if God, if they, if they would return to God. I mean, Jeremiah, boy, if you really study him, yes, he, he warns them uh, they're going to go to captivity. But there is, there is hope. Your children can come back. God will rebuild all of this. You can become uh, part of this transformation of bringing your children back. You can be there, spiritually speaking, and help people return home to God. You know, we've got so many people falling out of love with God. We need to understand that God has been displayed as an indulgent grandfather in our society, in our culture. Uh, I've seen the posts, you know, on, on social media, and I'm just getting to the point where I don't even want to be there at all. In fact, I haven't been on social media in quite a long time. On, I God will bless you with big cars, fancy homes, the perfect spouse, the perfect whatever. And those things God can give you, well, if he desires. But the one thing that you cannot put a price on, it's your salvation. It cost Jesus his life. It cost him his blood, pain and suffering, separation from his throne room to walk on this earth. We need to know that Jesus did love us. He has called us to Him to return if we've walked away, if we've never been there, to go there on a bended knee and our humble hearts before Him and, and become a Christian, become a true follower. Find a congregation who's teaching the complete Word of God, not just one chapter, not just a few verses, not just one subject, but the entire Word of God. It is a beautiful thing when you can have somebody start showing you in the Word of God and you start putting those pieces together and how it all flows together. It is an amazing book. It is an amazing journey to walk in the path 
of righteousness that God has laid out for us. Well, I hope and pray that you'll continue your love for God and the love for this podcast and that you would continue to tune in each and every week. Please tell others about us. Uh, be in prayerful consideration to help us keep the podcast going as we are struggled with even keeping the internet on lately. And so uh, we really need your help. Please, please be praying for us. And God's laid it in your heart to help us. You may help through our website. There's a way of contacting us there. Again, I want to thank you for listening, and may God bless you, and may He have the glory. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Be sure to hit the like button and follow us on your podcasting app. Please check out our website at biblicalquestion.com. All one word, all lowercase. In addition, we have a prayer request page, a way of contacting us, a statement of faith, and other resources for our listeners. Do you have a Bible question you would like answered on a future podcast? or prayer request. We would be honored to hear from you and add your prayer request to our list so others may pray for you. Subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on our social media accounts. Again, that is biblicalquestion.com. Thank you and may he have the glory.